0: So Lord, we want to be people that our heart is postured. Our heart is, has the posture of thanksgiving. Lord, we could all sit here. We could just hand the mic down every aisle this morning, and people could just testify, give thanks for all the good things in their life. And Lord, we have much to be thankful for. I think of the words of David in the Psalms where he says these words He says, The Lord has dealt bountifully with me. Can anybody else say that this morning? The Lord has dealt bountifully with me. I know I look over my life and I just say, Lord, you have been so, so good. And Lord, thank you for your bounty. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your hand upon our lives, upon this church. And Lord, we just want to continue just to be people who we don't fall into this grumbling and complaining. But Lord, help us to posture Thanksgiving throughout our days. And Lord, we give you thanks for who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody together said, amen. Hey, um, last week we started this new series. It's a three-part series, and we're calling it simply The Purpose of the Church. The Purpose of the Church. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to answer a question that many people have, and that question is simply, why? Why do we go to church? What's this all about? And we're going to just share with you in this series... Three big reasons why the church exists. Not just Journey Church, but the big C, Universal Church, but it certainly includes us, Journey Church. Why do we exist? And let's do a quick review of the three reasons why we exist. Number one, we need to get this. So make sure you're leaning in this morning and understand that we exist to minister to God. Another word for that is called worship. And I want to make it very clear, and we're going to talk about this in the month of August, that the primary role of the church is about worshiping God, okay? It's about that we come, not only receive and we will, but the primary reason is we come to worship and give unto God, okay? And I don't want to say too much about that because we're going to talk about it for a couple weeks. The second reason we exist, the purpose of the church, is we're here to minister to you, We really are. We're here to minister to believers. What we really desire to see happen is we want to help people on this journey that we have to become more like Jesus. See, the whole deal is, is once you say yes to Jesus, now you're starting this whole journey where it's not about you becoming a better you, it's about you becoming like Jesus. And that's why we're here. We want to help you. We want to minister to you to become more like Jesus And then the third purpose of why the church exists in the world today is that we're here to minister to the world that God has put us in, okay? So minister to the world, and that's what we talked about. We started this series in reverse, and last week we started with ministry to the world. And basically there's two big parts of the equation when we're ministering to the world. And the first big part is this one right here, is the one we kind of get a little nervous about, Not just a little, we get a lot of nervous about. We get sweaty palms, we get like, oh no, I can't do that. That's the job of the pastor, the board, whoever, the staff. But I want to let you know it's all of our responsibilities, this whole thing of evangelism. And we said this last week, we defined evangelism simply by, we're simply sharing the gospel with people who haven't heard the gospel. And that's what our responsibility is. We're here to go out into this world and to share with people the gospel because there's people all around us who've never heard a clear presentation of what the gospel is, okay? So this is the primary reason. This is the primary ministry that we as a church have to the world is to share to evangelize the world. I heard a pastor years ago say something actually really really brilliant. He says this is why the moment that you said yes to Jesus, you weren't taken right away to heaven. But here, he kept you here because we all have a job to do now. And that job is, and our responsibility is now that we have heard the good news, we're to share the good news. It's like a beggar telling another beggar where the food is, or somebody who's thirsty sharing with them where the water is. And that's our job as God has left us behind, is to share other people the good news, the gospel, that there's hope, that there's a Savior, and his name is Jesus, okay? Okay. And that's the first part of ministry to the world is this thing that we're called to is evangelism. Our church is called to evangelism. You as an individual believer, we're called to evangelism, okay? So what I want to do today is I want to look at the second piece of this puzzle of ministry to the world. We have evangelism, and today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the second word. Everybody say that together. Mercy. Let's say it one more time. Mercy. So what I want to do is I just want to take some time this morning to talk about what is this whole thing of mercy, which is a large part of our our ministry to the world. And to kick things off, what I want to do is I want to simply bring us all on the same page and make sure we're all with the same understanding. And I want us to define what mercy is. Mercy is a Greek word that translated simply means mercy means to show kindness or concern for someone else in serious need. So if you're a merciful person, you show kindness, you show concern for someone in your world that has a serious, serious need. There was a Greek scholar years ago who said, mercy refers to the feelings of one who is moved by another person's suffering in a way that they begin to share in that person's suffering. Did that make sense? Meaning, this is what that means interpreted. It means that when you see people in need, in your world, we see them all the time, your workplace, the school, whatever, even here in church, but out in the world, when we see people who are in need, and as a result, it's causing suffering, here's what merciful people do, they begin to suffer. I see somebody suffering, my heart's posture should be that I also, as I witness them suffering, I also begin to suffering And it's to the point that I just don't turn my head and say, Well, I choose to ignore that. There's nothing I can do about it. They'll get over it. But a person that expresses mercy is someone who says, You know what? I'm going to do everything possible that I can do to help alleviate their suffering. That's what a merciful person does. They see the suffering, they begin to suffer. And now they engage in action and they say, okay, Lord, is there something I can do to help alleviate the suffering in their life? Lord, that's why I'm here. I'm here to be a person of mercy. And this is exactly, exactly, gang, what we see in the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And what I want to do today is I want to share with you three quick examples in Scripture where we see Jesus is a very merciful Savior. And when he saw people in need, he didn't turn his head and say, hey, good luck. Hey, we'll be praying for you. No, Jesus did something about it. And we're going to look at three examples. The first example today is a story of a Gentile woman, and her story is told in Matthew. Actually, all of our examples today are going to be found in Matthew. We're just going to go right through the book real quick. Matthew 15, 21, verse 22, it says this. It says, then Jesus left Galilee and went north to this region of Tyree and Sidon, And it said, listen, verse 22, it says, a Gentile woman who lived there came to Jesus pleading, have, everybody say that word together, have have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. And here's why, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. I want us to see that severely. How many people would agree that this daughter along with her mother, because how many people know when you're, as a parent, when your kids suffer, you suffer? Is that true or false? I know some of my greatest sufferings are not my individual sufferings. It's when I'm watching my my boys go through some difficult times. So this woman is no different. She's suffering along with her daughter, and they were going through a very difficult time, and as a result, the mother steps forward into the path of Jesus and the mother asked Jesus, would you please have mercy? And here's the cool thing. Jesus didn't turn away, but the scripture tells us specifically that Jesus showed mercy. And what did he do? He granted her request. And it says in the text, if you, still have, if you have your Bible, it says, and her daughter was instantly healed. I just want to put ourselves in her shoes today, the mother and daughter. Can you imagine the joy? The laughter that this family must have experienced. A daughter was being tormented. The daughter was going through a living difficulty, and Jesus comes and shows mercy. I'm sure at that moment that family was delighted. Let's look at a couple more real quick. We're going to look at the story of Jesus healing a demon possessed boy in Matthew. If you're writing these down, Matthew 17, verse 14 and 15. It says, At the foot of the mountain, There was a large crowd was waiting for them. And a man came and he knelt before Jesus. He knelt down before Jesus and he said, Lord, everybody together, have mercy. There we go again. Lord, have mercy on my son. And look at the condition. He has seizures. He suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and sometimes he even falls into the water. How many would agree that both father and son was, were suffering, that they both had a need, and as a result, the father comes, as we saw, and the father asks for what he asked for—mercy for his son—and Jesus shows mercy. He doesn't turn away and say, "Well, there's really nothing I can do about it." No, it says that he rebuked the demon. He rebuked the demon and the boy, and it says that that demon left the boy. And it says in the text, from that moment, the boy was well. How many people know that mercy displayed changes everything? When people are on the receiving side of mercy, it often changes everything in their life. Let's look at one more example of this, Jesus healing two blind men. This is recorded for us. In uh, Matthew 20, verse 29 through 31, it says, "And Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, it says, "A large crowd followed behind Jesus." The next verse. It says in verse 30 that two blind men, two blind men, were sitting beside the road. And when they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting they weren't reserved about it they began to shout and i won't shout lord son of david everybody together have mercy on us check this out this is really cool verse 31 be quiet the crowd yelled at him but i love their resilience it says but they only shouted louder lord son of david have everybody together have mercy have mercy, have mercy on us. And here we read of these two blind men that were suffering with blindness. Well, obviously, two men suffering with blindness. And as a result, they come and they ask Jesus for mercy. And Jesus does what? He steps up. He steps up. He gets involved with their lives. And what does Jesus do? He shows mercy. And what he does is he touches their eyes And it says in the text that instantly, 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 people that were blind from birth, now they could see. Why? I just think this is amazing. How many people would agree that mercy has a way of changing everything? And I want us to get that this morning, that mercy has a way of changing everything. I want to make it clear that when we show mercy to people, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Our acts of mercy towards other people are a big deal. They make a difference in the lives of people. So in each one of these examples that we just looked at this morning, Jesus responds with mercy to people who are what? They're suffering. And these are people not only suffering, these are people that they couldn't help themselves. They had no other help but Jesus. So we see that mercy responds to people that when they're in need... And here's what I want to declare in this series this morning, and I hope we don't miss this point I'm trying to make and I'm trying to build to, and that is that this is the call of the church around the world. The call of the church around the world is for us to reach out to the world. We're going to reach out. We're going to share the good news. We're going to evangelize. But we're also going to touch our world as we show acts of mercy. And I want to make it clear as the pastor of this church that this is the call to journey church. The call to journey church is when we see people that are in need, when we see people who are suffering, that we would have a heart that we would also put ourselves in their skin and that we would suffer and not just say, well, really, there's, we don't have the resources to help them out or we can't do this or we can't do that. And we think of all the things we can't do. But in the midst of their suffering, we're going to say, God, what can I do? What can we as a church do to step up to alleviate the suffering? Because Lord, that's why you have placed us in the world for such a time as this that we're going to make a difference. We're not just located on this corner of Cascade and Valley View just to have Sunday morning services. We're here to be people of great mercy. Amen? And we want to be people that we're reaching because there's a lot of hurting people right outside our doors. There's people in your neighborhoods that are hurting. There's people in your workplace. They're all over. They're hurting. And we are called to be what? People that reach out to the world. We share, we evangelize, but we also share mercy. So this is what Jesus did. This is, this is the DNA in the life of Jesus as he walked the earth. He saw people in need. He did something about it because he was merciful But I also want to say this, that scripture also points us to a God, to a God, the Father, who is also a God of mercy. How many people are thankful today that God is a merciful God? And some of you are saying that, and I'm so excited, but let's look at a few verses that point this out to us, and let's read the underlying words together. It says, but God is so rich in mercy. How rich in mercy is God? God. He loved you. He loved me so much that even when we were dead, even when we were dead because of our sins, by the way, that's our natural state. We're dead because of our sin. Even in those moments, His mercy gave us life. We went from death to life when He raised Christ from the dead. Isn't that great? Let's look at a couple more verses to show of the mercy of God. It says in 1 Peter 1.3, it says, Peter writes these words. He says, all praise to God. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, it is by his great, everybody together, it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Christ from the dead. And check out the closing line of this verse. It says this, now, because of his mercy, now we live with great expectation. Why? Because of the mercy of God. It's really a beautiful, beautiful thing. Let's look at one more passage of scripture talking about the mercy of God. Titus, I think it's three, four, and five. It says, but when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Listen to this, gang. He saved us. Get this, don't miss it not because of the righteous things we have done. Dismiss that from your mind if you think you're going to find favor with God because of the righteous things you have done. But here's why. But because of his everybody his mercy. He washed away my sins, your sins, giving us a new birth, spiritual birth. He gave us a new life, and he did all this through the Holy Spirit. How many are thankful for God's mercy? How many people yeah that's okay yeah let's how many people are so thankful that God steps into our lives when he sees our greatest need which is what sin a need for a savior and he just didn't turn his back and say well good luck world no he did something he was so moved that he put it into action and he sent his son in his mercy he sent his son into this world because he is merciful He sent his son into this world because he's merciful, and his son died for our sins. We serve a God today who is very, very merciful. He sees a need, he feels the need, and he does something about the need. He goes all the way to meet the need. He's a merciful, merciful God in our lives. And Lord, we are thankful today we are thankful today for your mercy, that you are a merciful God. So here's the deal, Jesus was merciful. He displayed mercy as he walked this, walked this earth for 33 years. God is merciful. He made a way for salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. So what's, what should our response be, gang? We've received mercy. What should be the response of people who have received God's mercy? I want you to think about that for just five seconds. What should be my response as a result of receiving God's mercy? Think about that. What should be my response? God has shown me mercy. What should my response be? I want to just pause and make you think about this. There's a verse tucked away in the Old Testament. It's called the Minor Prophets. It's called the Book of Micah. It shows us what our response should be. I want to read it for you. It says, Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what the Lord requires of you. He's going to give a list of three things. Number one, do what's right. That's a call for all of us. Do what's right. Number two on our list. Everybody read that second one together. Two love mercy. Let's say that again, to love mercy. And the third thing is we're all called to walk humbly with God. So what's required of us who have received mercy? Here's what's required of us who have received mercy, the church of Jesus Christ. Now we are to be people who don't keep it to ourselves. We are people now that give away what we have received. Here's the old adage, freely we have received, freely we are to what? Give. Freely, God has given us our mercy, his mercy, not because you deserved it, or I deserved it, or we deserve it, but because of who he is. And as a result now, we are to go into the world in which God has placed us. You're here on this earth, not by mistake, for such a time as this. God has a calling. He has an assignment on your life. And he won't be done with you until you die and you go to be with him. So if you're still breathing today, you're still on assignment. Amen? Amen? We're still on assignment. And part of our assignment is God is calling us to be people of mercy. That we go out into this hurting world where there's needs and there's people suffering all, the, all over the place. And we as the church aren't supposed to just come in here and have great worship services and worship God, which are important. And, um, just have a good the holy huddle on Sunday morning. No, we are we as the church are now to disperse. And now we go our separate ways and we cover a lot of ground throughout the week. We all go different places, different workplaces, people who will never step foot in this church. And now we go, we're called to be Christ ambassadors. We're going into a world, we're on assignment. And part of our assignment is, hey, hey, guys, we're going to share, we're going to evangelize, but also we're going to be people that when we see needs we're not going to turn our back and say well somebody the government will take care of that no they won't how many people know the government won't take care of it how many people know it's the job of the church of Jesus Christ and i'm not downplaying the government at all and please if you if you don't misinterpret what i'm saying what i'm what i'm saying it's the job of the church that's why jesus set up church on earth and we are to be the agents that go out And we are the ones that are supposed to hurt people. Not hurt people. We're doing a good job at that sometime. Shame on us. But we're to go out there and we're supposed to say, okay, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to be an agent of mercy. I'm going to be an agent of evangelism. God, you have a call on my life. It's not just Pastor Mike or a staff member or somebody that went to Bible college and got a degree. No, 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 no. It's all of us who have said yes to Jesus. You're called, and God knows exactly where He has you today, tomorrow. Step up. It's time to do what God has called us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. And we need to remember that mercy is just, it's more than just our, our feelings, and it's us doing. It demands action. It demands that we We take some action and we address the issues of the suffering in our world. That God, what can we do to make a difference? Could you imagine if every church around our country today had this mentality that we're going to go out and serve the world? We could be dynamic. Amen? We could be dynamic. It would be incredible. So, in review, as we close this morning, the third purpose of the church, we can't forget this the third purpose of journey church, is that we're called to minister to the world. We can never forget that. We need to brand that in our hearts, that the church is called to minister to the world. And the way that we do that is, number one, everybody say it together, please, the E word, evangelism. There you go. And then number two is the M word, everybody say it together, mercy. So what does that look like? What does that look like for journey church? Well, it has many different layers. The first layer is this. You're all individuals and you all go out individually to do things that God's called you to do. So we do this individually. But my question is, how do we do this corporately? Corporately. And there's two ways that I believe that we can go out and minister to the world. Number one, listen carefully. We can minister to the world by supporting missions, by supporting missions. How many people know we have a lot of amazing missionaries? Incredible missionaries. And what are they doing? They're doing two biggies. They're doing what? It's called evangelism. And they're doing what? Mercy. Our missionaries, we are so thankful for them. Let's pray for them, that God protect them, keep them. But that's one way that we can be a part of reaching the world. We can be a part by praying for them. We could be a part by maybe going on a trip. We could be a part by giving of our finances so that we could support others who have this call of God to reach places that will never go. Okay, that's a beautiful, beautiful way. Our, our, our world missions. I love our world missions. But there's another way. And this other way, we just kind of reinstated just a few weeks ago. And right now at Journey Church, just in the last couple of weeks, we've reinstated what is called an outreach team. An outreach team. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to be better. We're trying to be more intentional about reaching out into this community right here, River Falls, where God has placed us. We're trying to make a difference. We're trying to display mercy to people who are hurting, people who are in need. And they need people not to turn their back. They need a church that will stand up and say, you know what, we'll do what we can do to alleviate the suffering in our community. And folks, I know that seems overwhelming. Believe me, I feel overwhelmed. But I tell you what, many people, they see the need so great, they end up doing nothing. Folks, we need to see that we can do what we can do. We can do something as a church to make a difference. Amen? We can make a difference. We can make a difference by going out and seeing what the needs are, and helping people that are suffering. And yesterday was a great jump start, a start for something new at our church. We had a couple different teams go out yesterday. We had like, um, what would you say, Nolan, 41 people showed up to help reach out, to show mercy, to show mercy to our community. I love what the women and lot, some of the guys did it here in the foyer. They're providing Bags, birthday bags, party bags, because there's some kids in our community that are hurting, they're suffering. And we as the church can't just say, well, we feel sorry for those kids. That's too bad. No, we could do something as we did yesterday. We could provide party bags and we can provide birthday bags and we can send them to an organization called Our Neighbor's Place. When those kids come in that... They're not going to have a birthday. They're not going to have a party unless Journey Church steps up. And we do something about it. We get our hands a little dirty. We put in a little sweat equity. We're in the game. We're not just talking the game. We're in the game. And here's my biggest challenge, my closing statement of the day, and that is our outreach to our community is not going to be limited to one day a year. I know yesterday churches around the world. There were thousands of churches that went out yesterday. We weren't the only one. And they went out and we celebrated what was called Serve Saturday, Serve Day. But I want to let you know, we're not just about Serve Saturday. This is now going to become who we are and what we do throughout the year. Are you hearing me this morning? And we're going to be sharing with you opportunities throughout the year. Hey, if you're available this weekend, we're going out. Hey, if you're available on Tuesday night, we're going to go out and we're going to minister to a group of people that are hurting. Why? Because the needs are all around us. And I really believe if we will step in and we will do our part, we can't change everybody's life. We live in a community of what, about 16,000 people. But what happens if we change one six-year-old girl's life? What if we change one nine-year-old boy's life? How many people know we start to snowball those things, we're going to be a church that begins to make a difference. And I'm just calling us as a church in this series that our purpose, purpose number three, purpose number three is that we need to be intentional to minister to the world in which we live at this point in time that God has given us. Amen? And that's what we need to be. And you know, I'm not going to beg people to go on these outreaches. I know that we all have different seasons of life and we have different seasons with kids and grandkids, but when we're available, I want us to say, we're going to make, we're going to make a little noise. Amen. We're going to shake some cages. We're going to make, we're going to rattle some things and we're going to get into some people's lives and they won't see the church for what we're against. Because a lot of people, that's what they see in the church, what we're against. But I want people in our community to see what we're for. That they see a God that is just a God, as we sang about this morning, we read about, he is a God who is rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. And Lord, we're going to step in and we're going to become what? We're going to become the hands and we're going to become the feet of Jesus. And we're going to just do those little things. Because how many people know little things make a big difference? Little things, little thing here, little thing there, little thing here, they all begin to add up, and you might be amazed what God does when you touch even a young girl, young boy's heart, what that may mean to a whole family, amen? So I'm just calling you, this is just going to be who we are from here on out, that we are going to be our, do our best, and I, I actually just, sometimes I get nervous, I'm like, Lord, who am I to engage our people in this. And I'm just saying, Lord, help me to to say, Lord, we are going to go forward. We're going to make some noise in River Falls. And it's going to be good noise. We're going to show people the mercy of God. Amen? Amen. If you receive that this morning, put a big smile on your face. Okay. Hey, it's great to have you here this morning. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. We're going to be a church of mercy. We're going to be a church of evangelism. Ultimately, that's the whole point of mercy. Does everybody understand the ultimate point of mercy is so that we can share Jesus with others? That's their greatest need. The greatest need of every person in this room, the greatest need of every person in this county, in in our city, their greatest need may at one point be a birthday bag, but ultimately the greatest need is that they would hear about Jesus that can change their life forever. He can change their heart. He can um, make it possible that they can have peace with God through his son, Jesus. And Lord, I pray, God, for your divine help. Lord, I tremble at the responsibility that you have placed in our hands. It's big, it's huge, it's, it's a calling that you have for all of us. It's a calling that you have on this church. And God, I pray that you would help us. Lord, I declare, as Zechariah declared in Zechariah 4, verse 6, when he said, it's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit. And God, we are going to be a church that we want to walk. We want to flow in the spirit to the people that you're wanting us to reach out to and help and not turn away from, but to do what we can do to alleviate some form or level of misery in their life, suffering in their life. So Lord, help us, we pray. Lord, we want to be pleasing unto you. We want to do the things that you have called us to do. And one of those things is to love mercy. We are called to love mercy. So Lord, we want to love what you love. And Lord, we want that to move and shake our hearts. God, we want it to form us. We don't want to be conformed into the image of this world. We want to be transformed by your power to be the people you want us to be. God, help us. Help us corporately. I pray for every individual, Lord, all of us, myself included, when I'm not at church, but I'm somewhere else. Lord, help us all to be able to see the suffering that's going on in front of us and not just turn away and say, well, I feel sorry for them. No, we suffer also, but we also say we're going to step up and we're going to do something. Lord, it may mean helping somebody on the roadside fix a tire, It may be stepping up for the kid that's being bullied at school. That we as a student step into that and say, hey, we're not going to do that. Lord, it comes in so many ways. It comes in so many different waves. But give us eyes to see that we're people of mercy. We're on an assignment from God. Until you take us home, we're on an assignment from you to be your people, to make a difference. Lord, I pray for your help. Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you died for every one of us. You showed your mercy by sending your son, Jesus, to die for every person in this room so they can experience forgiveness of sin. The only way is through your son, Jesus. And If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life, if you've never said yes to Jesus as the Savior, your Savior, the one who saves you from your sins, if you've never asked Jesus into your life and you want to do so today, with every head bowed, let's just give everybody just a private moment here this morning. You've never received the mercy of God. I want to give you this opportunity right now. Is there anyone that just says, you know what, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? The second layer of my call today is this. How many people would say, you know what, I want to step up into my assignment and do a better job with his help. How many people would say, you know what? I want to be a a person of mercy. Would you raise your hand this morning? You say, yeah, that's me. I want to be a person of mercy. God has showed mercy to me. I want to give that mercy away to others. Help us, Lord, we pray. As we close this morning, I love to pray together. I love to hear your voices. Let's pray this prayer the Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.